Hey guys, this is Nathan from Brewery Church, and yesterday at our Monday night meeting, we were talking about ghosts. I thought I'd do a little recap and talk about some of the questions that came up last night. And uh, to kick things off here, I have myself a Founders Breakfast Stout, double chocolate coffee oatmeal stout that somebody from Brewery Church gave me. So thank you, Jason. This is awesome. It is one of my favorite beers. So, ghosts. Seems like kind of a strange topic for a Bible discussion group, right? I was reading Mark chapter 6, and there's a story about Jesus walking on the water, and the disciples think that he is a ghost, and they're terrified. So, that begged the question to me, is this evidence that ghosts exist? Like, obviously, it's not conclusive evidence, but why do these people from Bible times believe in ghosts when, like, modern Christianity sometimes says, well, the Bible says ghosts don't exist. But if we actually go back to the people who are living in that time, like, they seem to believe that ghosts exist. So, that was interesting. I decided I'd kick things off last night by just asking people, what do you believe about ghosts? And I got kind of a variety of responses. A lot of people were undecided. I'm kind of undecided. I used to take a more traditional view. Um, I've heard the view that um, ghosts are just evil spirits maybe pretending to be a loved one or something like that. So I held that position for a while, but then I thought about it and I thought, well, I'm not real sure where that comes from in the Bible. And um, if I'm going to take that stance, I, I want to know where it comes from. So, I'm rethinking that position. Um, let me talk about what an ancient person would believe about ghosts. I checked out a podcast called The Naked Bible Podcast, and they go back to the original language and try to figure out how ancient people thought and stuff like that. And they suggested here that ancient people believed in ghosts. So I did some more research. Um, I went to a website called ancient.eu. You should check that out. Just give you an idea of what ancient people thought about ghosts. There were stories from Egypt, Mesopotamia, like all over the world. Everybody was talking about ghosts in ancient times. And what's really interesting about this story in Mark chapter 6 is that there was something that ghosts could not do. They could not walk on water. But when Jesus is walking on water, Jesus' friends think, Oh no, like there's a ghost. Well, that doesn't really fit the evidence. And that's what this website and Naked Bible podcast were saying. Well, um, there was another possibility, and that was that uh, maybe what they were seeing was a divine figure. In ancient times, in their mythology and stuff like that, the one thing that could walk on water was a god, or a godlike figure. So in Greek and Roman mythology, there were a couple gods, at least, that could actually walk on water, supposedly. Um, Orion and Poseidon. I think Poseidon is Orion's father. And I went to GreekGods.org and just kind of read up on them. Apparently, Orion's origin story is really interesting. 
His name actually means urine. <laughs> How would you like to have that name? So Poseidon supposedly like urinated on a bull hide, buried it in the earth, and Orion was born. So now you know his magic comic book origin story. The point is that in Greek and Roman mythology, a god could supposedly walk on water. So if Jesus' friends saw a figure walking on water, they knew a ghost couldn't walk on water, but they knew that a god or a Greek god or a Roman god could walk on water. They've got these two options, ghost or god. Why do they pick ghost when they know that, according to ghost folklore, a ghost cannot walk on water? One question somebody had is, did Jesus' friends recognize that this was Jesus or not? And uh, it's not real clear. Basically, the Bible says that Jesus was walking on the water and he intended to walk past the boat where his friends were struggling to control the boat because of the waves and it was very windy. So I kind of wondered, like, where is he going? Where is he walking? I mean, you're walking out across the sea, you see your friends in trouble, you're just gonna walk by? <laughs> So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, we were trying to decide, does it make a difference whether or not they recognize this ghostly figure as Jesus or not? I don't know. I mean, ultimately I think that if Jesus is walking on water, and walking on water is associated with only divine beings, I think it's a piece of evidence about who Jesus is. It's another piece of evidence that maybe he's God. But um, I don't know that it makes a difference whether they recognized him in that moment or not. Because ultimately they'd figure out who it was. But think about this. Okay, so why didn't they just say, they see a figure walking on water. Why didn't they just say, oh, it's Orion? Uh, why didn't they say, it's a god? Why did they instead say it's a ghost when that conclusion just does not work? The puzzle pieces just don't fit together. I think uh, it's, it's a really interesting case study in human psychology. Like, why do we cling to conclusions when the evidence points elsewhere? I sort of think we try to protect whatever current belief we have. It's a security thing. So even sometimes when we come across new information, we try to defend the original premise because... You know, if they said Jesus is God, that was actually going to have major ramifications for their own religious beliefs and how they see the world. So, like, there was incentive for them to protect their current beliefs. Uh, our table also mentioned that, well, maybe part of it was peer pressure. We've got a whole bunch of guys in this boat. They're all Jewish. And if one of them were to say, it's a God that would kind of go against the Jewish mindset at that time. At the end of the story, Jesus finally gets in the boat with his friends, and he, all of a sudden, the waves and the wind die down. And his friends say, well, who is this man? They're very confused. And again, like, that whole God mindset has to be in their heads, but nobody is going to say it. So they're struggling to understand what they're seeing. Last week we were talking about the story right before this, which is Jesus feeding 5,000 people 
with a few loaves of bread and some fish. And they didn't understand what happened then. Then at the end of this story, it says again, their hearts were too hard to take it in, and they didn't understand the miracle of the loaves. So they still didn't understand what happened when Jesus fed all those people with just a little bit of food. Really interesting to think about because in addition to those miracles, at this point, they've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen Jesus drive out evil spirits from people. And then Jesus has actually told them to go heal people and drive out evil spirits. And it's happened. So it's interesting how much they've seen Jesus do that is not normal. And they're still struggling with this whole, you know, Jesus can't be a God thing. I also think part of it is because if you look back at the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites were always getting in trouble for worshiping or recognizing these gods from other countries. They would always get in trouble for that. So I, I kind of think there might have been a certain amount of fear. If you were a Jew, there, there would be a certain amount of fear in accepting the conclusion that Jesus is God. So, I think that's cool to think about. Um, also, I noticed that the same story is in the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, it talks about Peter stepping out on the water. But mysteriously, if you're reading the book of Mark version, Peter, it doesn't say anything about him stepping out and walking on the water. That whole subplot, I would say, is missing. So, I asked the group last night, bonus question, why do you think this part of the story was left out in the book of Mark? Somebody said, it's a different take, different perspective, a different focus. I think that's exactly right, because I was talking to, um, or I was listening to a podcast from a, a detective, and they were talking about how they interview witnesses. So maybe there's a car crash, and they've got different people standing in different you know, positions, and they see the crash. They focus on different events. Uh, some people might be focused on the people in the crash. Some people might be more focused on like the damage to the car. Like, oh man, you wrecked your Corvette. And like the whole personal thing, people are not on their radar at all. <laughs> so that's interesting. And I've had like serious things happen to me before. And somebody will ask me about it and I'll forget some super important detail because there's so many other important details. Uh, another good reason that maybe it was left out of the Book of Mark is, I think that the Book of Mark is Peter's testimony, and Mark's writing it down, or someone's writing it down. So I think that book is actually Peter's eyewitness testimony. So I think Peter actually took himself out of the story. And I don't know if it's because he thought that like inserting himself into the story would take focus off of Jesus because the whole point in this book is they keep trying to show the different pieces of evidence that Jesus is God. And if Peter started talking about himself, maybe it takes the focus away from that. Maybe it ends up undermining his own credibility with his audience. I'm really not sure. These are all theories, but uh, kind of the point is just because that's missing from the book of Mark, and there's a subplot about Peter and Matthew, uh, omission does not mean it's a contradiction. You can still put those two stories together, and they fit. 
when they complement each other. So that was interesting. Um, I think one of the more important things to think about in this story is like, why are human beings like so stubborn? Why do we cling to a conclusion that the evidence doesn't point to uh, instead of moving over to one that does? I, I think I do this. I think you probably do this with things. I think it's just something that you have to be aware of because I think reading scripture, like Jesus was very countercultural, so he does things that just don't fit our normal thinking. So if we're really going to understand what these stories are supposed to mean, somehow we got to get outside of our current way of thinking and be able to see it from a new perspective or the way it was intended to, to be. I will leave you with a fun fact about ghosts. Um, when I was reading up on this topic, I discovered that uh, somewhere between 20 and 30% of Christians believe that they have been contacted by the dead. That's a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Catholics say um, maybe 35% of them believe they've been contacted by the dead. That's according to Relevant Magazine. So, I don't know. Is there any room in the Bible for ghosts? I think maybe. Uh, a lot of traditional Christian theology teaches that you know, once you die, you either go to heaven or hell, and it's very cut and dry. But I don't know that it is, because as I'm reading the Old Testament, and, and the New Testament actually, I think it's a little more complicated than that. Like There appear to be, in the original language, um, terms like Sheol, like a place where souls go before they're judged, and um, apparently Jacob went there. I'm kind of in the middle of looking this up and trying to figure out what it means, but it gets there. And then in the New Testament, Jesus tells this thief on the cross next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. But paradise, I don't think that's heaven either. I think it's someplace else. There's a place called Gehenna. Um, there's Hades. So there's, there's more than just heaven and hell. And there's the lake of fire. It's very confusing. So I guess what I'm meaning to say is it might not quite be as simple as immediately going to heaven or hell. I don't know. But I think it would be a really cool thing to look up all that stuff together and try to figure out what the heck happens to us when we die. <laughs> like, what does the Bible really say about this stuff? Like, not what has some tradition taught me or something like that. Maybe maybe the tradition I grew up in is right. Maybe it's not. But I would like to trace it back to the roots and try to understand what all that stuff really means. So, uh, yeah, if you think that's an interesting thing to think about or you have thoughts on it, shoot me a message. Show up at Brewery Church on Monday nights, 7.30 p.m. inside Augustino Brewing in Wichita. It's a lot of fun. We just uh, grab a craft beer. I usually talk for like 10 minutes and then I give you guys questions and I just go sit at one of the tables and listen and talk to you guys. So maybe I'll see you there sometime. You guys take care.